former Clinton election people. You know what? I think now this is something I was aware of, you know, B.C., but what would be more appropriate music, I think, would be the theme from the Benny Hill show. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good one. I I just wanted some cakewalk music. You know, remember when you used to go to the the schools and they'd have a cakewalk Mm -hmm. and all the moms would like, you know, bake cakes. Now they don't do it because they're afraid that people have baked marijuana into them. Oh, right. So, you know, you got got all that going on. In this day and age, they're probably not worried about that so much as they're worried about there might be a single peanut in there or an almond. That's true. Or, 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 or. Yeah, absolutely. Something somebody's allergic to. (laughs) But. Back with us today, Pastor Scott's here today. Good yes, to I see am. him. We got, you. Do you have applause sound over there? <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to play applause sounds for him because it's been three weeks. Yeah, come on, Zach, give me some applause. Yeah. Find applause some, he'll that. find some. He'll Peace get some. Right. See okay. if if they ever give me my playback unit, Zach, you won't have to worry about this all the time. I just you push know? a button and it'll happen. I'll just have it. I right. have it right here in front of me. You, you have know? a button that goes, ooh, and then a button that goes, oh. Yeah, I did all those. I used to have all those. <laughs> there there we, we go. go. All right. Give it to him. There you all go. All right. Yeah, we can do it. Everybody right. clap for me. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, there we are. All right. We're glad to have, good, glad to good, have you back. It's good to be back. Thank you. We are. We're seriously back. All right. So the Bible guys, which for my afternoon show was one of the most uh favorite hours of the listeners Mm. i've decided to keep them on in the morning and not only that but put them on at seven o'clock which is the number one hour for listenership in morning drive that's great so welcome gentlemen thank you very much and they're all awake (laughs) it's really happy to see them is this typically a time that you're up billy is this a time you're typically up um not these days but for for the vast majority of my career i was the early guy so i was up at 4 30 to 5 so this not a problem so you still like early yeah, stuff yeah yeah all right steve you're you were former air force yeah. were you an early riser uh my schedule was just like it is today Earlies, lates i never had a consistent schedule because i flew okay so it's easy yeah all just right adjust either way Pastor Scott, are you an early riser? Uh, I am these days. I have found, well, look, I found most pastors, it's early getting up where they can get time for themselves yep. Yep. to do, you know, their talk with God and things yep, yep. of that nature. Um, I'm, I mean, I was up this morning at uh, four something. So, I mean, I typically am. Wow, up. you were up about the same well, time. It's, I it's got n- up at three. It's not a choice I make. It just kind of <laughs> happens that way. So, um, yeah, I'm normally up between four and five. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, but I, that, you're right. I get my. <clears throat> that's where I get a lot of uh, reading time and yep. study time, prayer time in during the during those morning hours when Devotional. nothing. Yeah, when nothing else is going on, 
So um, so it's not it's not difficult for me to be here at seven o'clock. And you're not hurt anything, so it's pretty easy to kind of clear your head. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for, for sure. You don't have days going on. Okay, yeah. Here we go. We're going to start off with something easy today. Easy, okay. all right. Uh, all of these questions are from you, the listeners. Just for everybody to know, if this is the first time you've heard the Bible, guys, since this is the first time they've been on on the morning show, which is only the second time that I've been on in the morning in a long time, <laughs> uh, Bible guys will answer any question you have about Scripture or about religion or about theology. You ask They'll try to answer. And the question today uh, from this listener was, I was hoping to hear what the Bible guys think of the Trump peace plan for Israel and the Palestinians. Are they in favor or not? If so, why? If not, what would their plan be? This is a dangerous part of the question. (laughs) What would their plan be if someone were to ask them to solve the problem? Since you've been gone for three weeks, Mm. let's start off with you, Pastor. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have to admit, I don't know all the details uh, of this, um, but I would just go ahead and say that any, from my perspective, and I think biblically, anything that gives away one scintilla of land that God promised to the Jewish people to anyone else, Palestinian or otherwise, is a bad plan. Right. Uh, anything that would suggest a, quote, two-state solution, end quote, is a bad uh, plan. And I think any time that we try from the outside to create a peace plan uh, for somebody else, uh, I think we have to be very careful about, um, about well, it's like this. Um, do we as Americans allow the Germans to um, give us uh, plans to sort out our domestic problems? Right. What about do we allow the British or the Italians? No. So why in the world would we then impose our ideas on the nation of Israel of all places? It should be, as far as going to the next, next part of the question, it should be left up to Israel to decide what they're going to do about their own uh, their own sovereignty their own in their own territory. I think you have to let them decide what they're going to do and um and just keep us out, keep out of it except we're there to support them and that's uh that's what I would tell them. Now, we've got Billy Miller here and we've got Steve Hess here as well. And I'm shaking a little bit in my boots here <laughs> to decide who should I ask. I'll so, be kind. I'll okay, be kind. let's start with Billy. Billy right. says that he'll probably have the most radical answer here. So no, go I'll ahead, be, Billy. I'll be kind this morning. Um, for starters, <laughs> I find, um, and I, I hate to pick on Trump, but I'll, I'll pick on anyone who's dishonest. Um, the plan says there will be no division of Jerusalem, and then turns right around and says the new capital for the Palestinian state will be eastern Jerusalem. And they play some geography games in order to try to make both of these statements true. But if we read this just on its what it says, one of these is a lie. And the one that is a lie is we will not divide Jerusalem. They're giving up part of Jerusalem. Secondarily, Scripture is clear. Uh, the one who attempts to divide the land will be divided. So I think this is a huge no-no. Um, there's obviously division going on here. <clears throat> if we want to create a separate state that was done in 1948, uh, let's go back to some 1948 borders and shove those people right out where they belong, which was in a zone... Uh, I think north of Israel. Um, well, but they created a Palestinian state called they Jordan. They did. That um, is, they're all Palestinians. That's, that's what right. Jordan is. Uh, so they're not really looking for a two-state solution. They're looking for a third or fourth state solution. So um, th- this is never going to work. Biblically, it cannot work. It's, it, I don't care. A, a president is simply wasting his time. What concerns me here um, is that Trump's not an idiot. 
And this plan is not, other than having a whole bunch more details, this plan is not radically different from any plan that has come before. The problem is it comes with some metrics for actions that will be taken on the world stage if they do not comply. So there's a there's an implied threat in the peace plan. It's it's do this my way or else sort of thing. Uh, and the or else part concerns me when we start looking at biblical prophecy, you know. Um, so you're talking about going over there and stirring even harder in the turbulent Middle East. So that concerns me a little bit. As for what I would do uh, if I were the president and it came time for the peace plan, I would not touch it with a 10-foot pole. That is that is for God to work out when God's ready to work it out, not for man to try to flex on. All right, Steve. Steve. <clears throat> this this is one of those things that you could do two or three shows about because you got to understand the background. And Pastor Scott alluded to it. Um, there's no such thing as a Palestinian people, right? The PLO wasn't created until um, Israel took the um, uh, the capital of Jerusalem after the Six Day War, and then the PLO was created. Uh, prior to that, if you want to know why, in modern terminology, it's used as the West Bank because it's west of Jordan, and it was part of Jordan up until Jordan lost it in the Six-Day War. And then they created the PLO because they needed a victimization of people to be able to use as a pawn, and that's right. all it's ever been. Actually, the West Bank biblically is Judea and Samaria. Correct. The vast okay. majority, Which is where G- the majority of Jesus' ministry was in Judea and Samaria. Not just Jesus's, but the entire Old Testament. The vast majority of it happened in that region. Joseph's tomb is that place. Right. Uh, Mc- Mc- right. Pilah, I think, is on the left side of that as Abraham, well. Abraham, Sarah. Yep. Um, Solomon's. All of that stuff is in what we would call the, the West Bank. Um, so... It, I would agree. I would basically just step back, and and I think it was um, – who was the guy that was the um, Secretary of State back in the 70s under Nixon? Uh, anyway. Kissinger. Kissinger. He made the comment that it won't be over until we have a victor. So I think you just need to get out of the way and let them fight it, and then yeah. whoever wins, then you can have peace because you can't have peace with both people who want to fight. Right. That's right. from a natural standpoint. Uh, from a spiritual standpoint, um, some, uh, Billy alluded to a couple of the things. Uh, in In the book of Zechariah, it says that – um, in that day that Jerusalem is going to be a cup of trembling and a burdensome stone for all the nations. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, it, God says um, um, that he has spoken in his burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all of Edom who give my land to themselves as a possession and who wholeheartedly joy in spitefully, spiteful minds in order to plunder its open borders. Um, this land is part of God's covenant and I have a concern now uh, because of all the things that the president has done has been very good for Israel up to, up till this point. Mm-hmm. And if there is a principle uh, and our understanding is true, then things are actually going to go south um, because he gave away God's land to a people who doesn't exist, who God did not make that covenant with. So well, it remains to see, but we're, you're not going to this is not going to be resolved in our day or any day for that matter. Messiah is going to have to do this. Yeah. Right. It cannot. You de- even when you got the west of the, the the rest of the Arab world saying they're supporting it, they are very patient people, and they are waiting for the day. And if there's if they ever get the upper hand on Israel, ever, they, there won't be a support that will push them into the sea. So the only reason that Saudi and Oman and, um, and all the other nations to the left, uh, east, uh, are supporting it is they're waiting. Unless they, I doubt very seriously that they've had a repentant wake up moment, but I think they're just waiting for the opportunity and they realize that they can play the long game here. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and cast in there where, where uh, Pastor Steve was mentioning there about Zechariah, about the Jerusalem becoming a cup of trembling. It goes on to say that whoever messes with it mm-hmm. will be cut to pieces. Yeah. 
and that the stone will actually fall and crush them. So we're best to let Israel, like, like obviously give it to God, let God handle it, let Israel fight their own battles, and we have nothing to do with it except to support them and to pray for them. All right. That's the first segment of the morning <laughs> show gone. version. Man, wow. That was a good. Uh-huh. That was some good stuff there. All right, seven eighteen. We got traffic. We got weather. We're going to catch up on all of that when we come back. Does it still exist or doesn't it? Do people still prophesize? We'll talk about it when we come back with the Bible guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's the morning show. We start at six. We go to nine at eight o'clock. Liz Harrington from the RNC will join us. We'll talk with her about Iowa, not a whole lot to say except no votes yet, and we'll also talk about the President's State of the Union. All right, continue with the Bible, guys. If you have a question, let's say during the week you come up with a question, just send it to bibleguys at salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com, and uh, I'll get that, and I'll make sure we ask it, uh, in order of all the questions that come in with the Bible guys, they'll be here every Tuesday at seven. You go every Tuesday. They've been doing it for two years now. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it in the afternoon, coming in at five o'clock at on Tuesday. Now they're coming in in the morning. And I personally, that's better. You got the whole day in front of you guys. There you no go. problem. All right. Here's the question. I was wondering about your view on prophecy. Is it still possible for people to prophesy things Uh, to me, and it be legitimate. How do I know if a prophecy is real and if I can put my hope in it? If they say something is going to happen in 10 years from now, I obviously have to wait to see if it's true or not. But how do I know if I can trust it today and for the next nine years while I wait to see if it comes to pass or not? Thank you. Well, the... There, prophecy is the gift of prophecy is one of the gifts that's mentioned um, gifts of the spirit uh, the gifts of the spirit uh, but it's a little bit different um, than how we would look as the Old Testament prophets that are really predicting events to happen now there is some aspect of that but it's not on a what, what they refer to as nations prophets or a national level there are some men that claim that but I also am very cautious with prophets because there are so many people nowadays that are prophesying, especially where we're at and, and with the things that are going on in the world, <clears throat> you can't, um, um, you know, throw a stick without somebody prophesying about something in the Middle right. East that's going right. on. And and those who walk in that gift, I would also, also caution very much to look at the consequences in the Old Testament of those who prophesied. Yeah, they stoned people they, if they, they were wrong. They killed <clears throat> them. So when people walk in that gift and they try to predict events, um, they they better be absolutely certain because yep. um, they're they're bearing false witness to God's name if they say the Lord said and the Lord said. Now, I've been in in meetings where um, I've, we've had total um, strangers who didn't know people in the congregation who, as we would say, would read their mail and would call out the things that were going on in their lives or um, encourage them about things that they were already praying about. And it was more of a confirmation. But I, I wouldn't put much stock in somebody who says 10 years from now you're going to win the lottery and inherit a billion yeah. dollars or, you know what I mean, that kind of stuff. It's just not what the gift of prophecy is about. It's usually exhortation and edification of something that's already going on. Or, in some cases, um, if there's sin in your life, uh, that they'll, 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 they'll tell you what that is. And so it's a real gift. It really happens. But um, not I just don't see much evidence in the New Testament for it in, on a national level, meaning they're going to prophesy 
events because I can promise you as much as that stuff I watch and listen to, not prophecies, but in time stuff, there there are so many people out there. I mean, back in 2015 when we were having the blood moons and all those things, you oh, yeah. you couldn't sling a Throw dead a cat without, somebody, yeah. without um, somebody prophesying that a tidal wave's coming. And now, if, if you know somebody like that, and you've ever had anybody prophesy things like that, and they have not come to pass or what they said was false, you need to confront them and call them out. Yep. Because that is, it is too flippantly thrown around today when people claim that they got a word and they're prophesying something. And if it doesn't come to pass, they go, oh, well, I guess I miss God. No, sir, you use God's name. This is a serious matter. Yep. And so it, it is a gift that flow, that people flow today, but I think they should be more cautious than, than they are. All right. Yep. The Old Testament includes um, two tests for prophets. Um the first uh, is that if they prophesy and what they prophesy does not come to pass, then they are false prophets and you drag them out and stone them. The second one is that if they prophesy and even if what they have prophesied has come to pass, if they attempt to lead you away from God and his right. word, they are also false prophets, drag them out and, and stone them. Um, so now I'm not advocating before anybody calls and says, I stoned this guy and, and I did it because Billy said so. No, wait a second. Uh, I not, still have bruises from yeah, the last uh-huh. time. I'm just <laughs> not advocating stoning in this day. I am advocating a um, dissolution of association. If you are associated with someone who's running around all the time saying, God said, God said, God said, and it's not coming to pass, uh, confront them and then break fellowship. Um, that is the closest you can get to stoning them in this day and age. So. And typically, uh, prophets of the Old Testament, they had to make not only long-term prophecies in many cases, but they had to make prophecies that would come soon to pass in order to validate the fact that they were a prophet. Uh, We wouldn't know if they were a prophet if uh, all of their prophecies were end-time prophecies. Uh, They had to do things within their lifetime. Um, Generally, there's actually a time frame on that somewhere, um, Talmudic, I believe, but... um, that they have to make a prophecy that comes to pass within a certain period to ever receive the official stamp of being a prophet. So, um, you know, prophecies that are general, um, well, there are people in Hot Springs that will do that for about 20 bucks and lay your palm in front of them and they'll read your future. Um, I, I don't buy things like that either. Um, that is a gimmick by and large. Um, and it is one of the things that I find most offensive because I think it is offensive to the name of God. When you take a sham and stick the name of God on top of it, you offend everything there is about me. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the question that the person asked was, when someone gives it a prophecy, how do you, and if, if it's... How do you know it's true? How do you know if it's 10 years out? You know, how do yeah. you know if you can put hope in it? And I would just add um, to that, you know, if someone, uh, first of all, and I think we may have, may have already touched on it, I was, out, I was outside in the, in the booth, but, um, you know, if someone gives you a word and you can find that word substantiated in scripture, mm-hmm. you know, if... You know, if you can see, okay, that word, it is within bounds of the scripture, then you know, you know, you can trust the scripture. Uh, but then beyond that, maybe this word comes and it actually confirms something that's already in your heart. You know, you've been praying about something or you've been, you've had something on your heart, you've had something on your mind, you felt God has been leading you in a way. And then somebody comes up and basically kind of reads your mail and says, listen, you've been have you've been praying about X, Y, and Z and it's right. And then they give a prophetic word that's really based in scripture Things like that, you know, you can say, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to stand on that word, and I'm going to believe God for that. As a matter of fact, Paul actually tells Timothy, he says, do a good warfare with the prophecies that have been spoken over your life. Right. So there's there's a way to stand and to hold on to prophetic words that have been given to you. But the way you're going to test them in our day is you test them against the word of God. Yes, that is biblical. Yes, it, it is grounded in the word. 
And yes, it confirms something God's already spoken to my heart. So I will use these two parameters to say, okay, I can actually stand and and believe for this or stand in faith on that. And I believe that's a good place to be. But obviously, these other things, the guys have already touched on it. We got more questions coming up, but we got to get a break in. We got Russia's update coming up. We want to give that to you. And when we come back, we're going to talk about can you truly pray in faith for an end-time revival? We'll talk about that next with the Bible Guys right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'm Dave Ellswick. Stay tuned. Now I know what Moses felt like. <laughs> hold, I hold up my hands. Quiet, guys. That's right. All right. And the voice is parted. <laughs> but the sun did not stop. All right. Just letting you know. All right. Uh, are you guys political? Well, I'm, that's the second question. Let me give you the first one. Can I truly pray in faith for an end-time revival, or are we to just prepare ourselves for apostasy and sin abounding like the days of Noah? Do they believe we will go out in a blaze of glory? And I guess they being you, that we will go out in a blaze of glory or not. The will of God is this, that none should be lost. Don't be praying for an end time revival. Be praying for a revival, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't don't wait until you think it's about over before you start trying to see a revival. Um, As far as the apostasy, yeah, there's apostasy coming, but... Uh, as it's already the, happening. Yeah. yeah. As, as the times the of mankind, Noah. We should also be seeing yeah. the best. Yeah. Now, I, w- I would say that um, you should never stop p- praying for a move of God. Um, and that's exactly what um, you know, the word does say that uh, at the end of time, it says, you know, when sin, aground, sin abounds, it says then grace much more abounds. So the more the darker it gets, the more we should be believing God for a revival. Amen. And just, you know, um, just, just throwing this out here, um, I have really felt that this year, uh, is and I've declared it in my church is a year of the um, of the spirit, and for the past two weeks I haven't even uh, preached a sermon because the Holy Ghost has uh, has moved so incredibly in our in our services. Um, the week before last we had probably were you in that service? Yeah, was. We probably had um, what it was it maybe twenty yeah twenty or thirty instant manifestations of healing. We had this wow. one this one lady. She she was weeping so much. She had glaucoma so bad she couldn't read her Bible without these uh, these big glasses. And she gets healed in the service. She doesn't even wear glasses anymore, and she's being able to read her Bible. I mean, people all, people who've suffered for from sciatica for years uh, were instantly healed. People who had back problems. It was glorious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even I didn't even minister the word. It was just the Spirit of God speaking, giving um, prophetic words, utterances. People being instantly healed. It was beautiful. And then this last week. The same type of thing happened, um, again, it was a little bit different, not as many healings, but it was definitely people getting words of encouragement and things. So, hey, listen, if you don't notice it, the world is pretty dark right now. Never Amen. stop pressing in for a move of God. When it's bad in your family, when your kids are having issues, when, you're, when your relatives are having issues, that's the time you really press in for a move of God on them. So no matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad the apostasy is or the sin abounding, you still believe God for a revival. And let me just clarify, the word revival means to revive something that was vibed at one point. In other right, words, right. a revival is an awakening of those who were already vibed at one point. It's right. not so much, a revival is not so much a mass salvation of souls, but it right. is a waking up of people who were once alive, Amen. fallen asleep or died and now are coming back to life. So it really applies to the life of the church. The only thing I would add to that was specifically to the end time stuff is the Bible says both will happen. 
yeah. there will be a great revival and a and, great falling away. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen simultaneously. All right. So there you go. That's pretty good. And then they came through question two. Are you guys politically engaged like Mr. Ellswick? And do you see any value investing time and effort into something that seems so, and I'm going to air quotes here, natural? I think you should be involved yeah. and engaged in what's going on politically. Whether or not you choose to be involved more in, in getting campaigns and stuff, that's up to you. Um, I personally think that what will change the country is a revival. Um, the, those we There's a lot of criticism that's being thrown at the evangelicals who are supporting the president, and I would throw some of that as well, simply because um, they're putting trust solely in the political process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only thing that's going to change hearts and minds is the gospel. That's it. And no political party is going to do it. I don't care if you're leftist or you're rightist. The only thing that's going to change the nation is when people change. Right. And um, and I would add that every almost every um, prophet that you look at um, dealt with politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, every prophet was in the face of a king. Every prophet was counseling a king or speaking to the governors or dealing with uh, things in the political realm. So God would send his prophets. He would send them to deal with things. John the Baptist was rebuking uh, the king for having his... His, his brother's wife. I mean, there was there was always God was always sending prophets into the palaces, prophets into uh, the face of leaders. So uh, God intended for us to be involved and engaged. But there is a danger that you become you lean so much to the natural that you forget. Like Pastor Steve said, it's only the gospel that's going to change this nation. It was the gospel. What was it that? Um, who was the French guy who came over? Um, the Tocqueville. Yeah. He said the reason why America is great is because America is good. And yep. the reason why yep. America is good is because the gospel <clears throat> is preached on every corner of every village, of every hamlet, and of every city. And if we forget that, then um, no matter no amount of politics, good, bad, or indifferent, is going to fix things. It all is a matter of changing the heart of people. Well, since people are people... Just know that they're gonna they're gonna fail. Yeah, they're going you to know, fail. don't put your hope in feet of clay. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to work with people feet of clay. Yeah, but it's God who brings the change. Amen. I even told my people this past uh, this past week. The Scripture says it says to pray for all of those that are in authority, right? Mm-hmm. For kings and leaders and so forth. And it, the, the bottom it says that we might li- so that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. Right. The goal of our praying for our government and for our officials is to benefit the people themselves. So uh, we definitely should be engaged, but our engagement should be um, by the spirit and let the spirit lead us to whatever natural action we're supposed to take one way or the other. There was a a radio show on years and years and years ago, um, and and their tagline was, politics determines how we'll live today and religion determines how we'll live forever. Um, So to me, these two things kind of go hand in hand. Um, a, A lot of times, well, my religious position uh, uh, determines and affects my political position. It's the reason I support the people I do and the the movements that I do and oppose those things that I do. So <clears throat> to me, uh, both of these are radically important. Obviously, one, forever is much longer than my natural lifespan. So one of these is, is much, much more valuable to me. But yes, I, I, I tend to be highly involved in politics as well. The question was as involved as you are. Uh, absolutely not. No. I've got a, I've got a nice full life, but, and I don't have nearly the time that Dave has uh-huh. for that sort of thing. But, uh, yes, I, I'm absolutely involved in politics. Okay. I would encourage people to, to pray for Dave, though, because we need people yeah. like him that are as engaged. Watchers on the wall. I mean, Dave, when you came to Arkansas, 
What was the <laughs> demographics like as far as the political parties? It was heavily ad- at the House and at the Senate, state Senate. We had four state representatives and one state senator. There were Republicans. Yes. And you have you have been here and seen this. I've this seen it completely flip. Was it a gradual shift or was it more like an instant? Some of it was. It, it, it gradually started. It started around 2010 mm-hmm. is when it started. After about a decade, I'd have been here a decade, yeah. and then it started. And mm-hmm. then uh, it about 26, uh, not 16, 2012, it was like somebody snapped a yeah. light on. Really? Switch, yep. yep. Wow. It changed. Don't you think that coincides, you know, those Democrats back in the day were what they were called, what, the Blue Dogs? Yeah, they, Blue Dogs. They were yeah. conservative-minded people. They did believe in, you know, social benefits and that kind of stuff but they were still more ethical than what we would yeah, see on the yeah. people on the left today so maybe that coincides a little bit with how far the left went to the well left. it was when obama <clears throat> came into office and when De- obama came into office and people started when he said he had come to fundamentally change america mm. and when those fundamental changes started and it wasn't what conservatives would ever want to see yeah it woke a lot of people yeah. up. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people up. I mean, the the, the whole Tea Party movement and all, all of right. that, that, that made a huge difference. Yeah. But you, you've had a great voice in, in, in helping move and shape that change, Dave. So I would encourage all the listeners, be, be praying for, for Dave that, he can, that, that God to continue to increase the, the volume of his uh, voice because we need people that are, in, are engaged yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, well, here's, here's the key. Be, vo- be, be, be praying for Republicans, the mm-hmm. people that are in control now, that you put into control that they will honestly continue to govern mm-hmm. the way they're supposed to govern. Yeah. Yeah. And not take on just being a politician. Speaking of uh we've been talking about revival, you know, you mentioned that like a switch went on in whatever mm-hmm. year that was. It's almost like um it's almost like that was almost like a secular revival. That's the type of change that can happen when people all of a sudden just it's wake happened up at your church and agape. Yeah. Yes, it has. So when, so if you look up in the spirit, when the, when the switch goes on and people get vibed or revived, um, it changes, it changes the nation. The great Welsh revival, I don't know if you guys remember that, but the, it was so incredible in Wales that, that, that the, uh, that the pubs just shut down. It, it just, it just began to transform the, the way that the society worked. The miners were saved in droves to the point that when they went back down in the mines, the donkeys that would carry the coal out would no longer obey their uh, their masters because the donkeys were used to being sworn at and beat to carry it out, and they got born again and went back down there, and they were being gentle and kind to the donkeys. The donkeys didn't know how to respond, as so they wouldn't they wouldn't transport the coal. <laughs> right. That's so the, funny. So the point is, it changes society when people actually get um, switched on to God. All right. For you who have just joined us, this is the Bible, guys. There are three of them here. you got Scott. He is the pastor of Agape Church right here in Little Rock. you got Steve, who uh, works with Scott uh, with their school that you can get involved in, and I'll tell you about that in just a few moments. And then Billy Miller is here, who works out at Tucker. Tucker Maximum Security Unit. Okay, and works with the prisoners yep. there at Tucker. Yep, yep, yep. That's what he does. We're going to take a break because it's a quarter till eight, believe it or not. It's 61 degrees. It has been raining today. The rain is going to go on 
until Thursday. And so it's going to be some rain. Uh, I checked yesterday, and no, Home Depot is out of gopher wood. We've got more coming your way in a moment on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. I was telling you that uh, Steve works with Scott at Agape Church here in uh, Little Rock. And uh, Steve, tell people about the this, this school. Okay, this school is uh, what actually led me out um, to Agape. Uh, it's the school where uh, uh, Pastor Scott and I both graduated. Um, he got his uh, master's through there, got his doctorate through another one. But um, our mentor, Dr. Mosley, had started the school back in the early 90s, and it was a Hebraic root school. Uh, and it's different than most um, theological schools. Most of the times you're going to get taught um, the theology of a particular denomination, where this school is primarily focused on just the first century, partly into the second century, and then obviously everything prior to that, if we want to say, quote-unquote, Old Testament. But it's a Hebraic root school. We put things in the context of the Jewish roots, the, the historical context, the linguistical context, the geographical context, the political context, the, all those other idiomatic things, and anything else that's centered around how to understand the Scriptures and what it meant to those who were writing it uh, and to those who lived in that day. And we don't really focus a lot on theology uh, as much as um, um, proper interpretation in, in that contextual setting. So uh, the best way to say it is it's a Hebraic root school, and you will get a basic foundation on on how to interpret and understand the Bible in its original setting because the Bible was written by Hebrews initially primarily to Hebrews but even then when we get into the New Testament we're dealing with Hebraic concepts that though though we were going through into the Greek language they were still having to go they were they were um, taking Hebraic things and then putting it into the Greek language and so we we focus on that and that's what the school is about you can get a bachelor's degree you can get an associate's degree. Uh, if you're not interested in a degree, you can audit classes. Um, each class, if you want to get a degree, is, is $200 a class. Uh, or if you just wanted to audit the classes, you can pay $50. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to write a paper. You can just listen to the information. And you can find all that at AmericanInstitute.org. There you go. AmericanInstitute.org. Org. That's yeah. where you go. Can, I, right, say, can I say one thing really quick before we get sure, that? Sure, go. Just going back to that last uh, question about uh, the whole political thing and, and uh, defaulting into the spirit. Um when we do that, we we still God will lead us to be engaged. I just think of one thing like uh, the March for Life, for example, mm-hmm. right? Things like that that are, are 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 the backbone of what things makes things happen in in uh, in the political world. But those are by people who are who love God, are motivated by the Spirit to be out there and to support the causes that we have scriptural basis uh, for. So uh, a big shout out to everyone who was uh, attending the March for Life uh, this year. But things like that definitely need um, believers uh, support and um, and help in any way they can give it. Amen. All right. Can you please help me to understand the love of God? I know it's not a type of human love, so does it have emotion, affection, conditions? How should I show the love of God to others if it's not a human emotion? I'm going to give you four minutes on this, <laughs> okay? And then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about UFOs. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Uh, the love of God, how you can't really four minutes. Um, uh, okay. Um, does the love, it has all those things, uh, to yeah. it. it. It does have, uh, emotion. God, uh, is, um, jealous for his people. Um, for oh, God, how I longed. Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave, he, he, he sacrificed himself because of his love. So yeah, yes, the love of God does have, um, emotion to it. Uh, the Bible says, you know, that we can, uh, that we're able to um, 
to love God with all of our heart, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. So there's very much a overall giving to that. Yes, it has. Uh, it, God's love for us is not conditional. He loves us regardless. He doesn't love necessarily what we do, but it's like a parent, a parent love. It's an agape, agape type love. It's an unconditional type of um, love that goes on. As far as how we communicate that to other people, it filters through. Uh, it filters through us. I can't do this in four minutes. Yeah, it's impossible. The, the short answer, the, I'll give you the Hebrew thing, which is it's the idea of breathing in a very passionate. This is the descriptive definition in Hebrew of ahava. Um, ahava. Ahava. Okay. Ahav and, is the masculine. Ahava is the feminine form of the same word. Okay. And it is with everything within your being, your breath. It's what drives you. And the only thing that is different is how you manifest that. When it says love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself, you love each with the same intensity, right. but how it manifests is different. And primarily, it comes down to doing. Right. So right. you can say, I love you, but if you do not show mercy and compassion and givingness, then you really don't love. It really comes down to the doing, but there is this uh, evidence of the things that you do, but there is a passion associated with trying to describe the right. love of God. And it is impossible. It's not possible to describe. That's it. You yeah. know, we could spend an hour and going through what it really means to try and love. In that in that doing vein, even Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You there will was, do. There was, a, there was yeah. a do associated with that love. Yeah. It was it was not a, um, in our Greek mindset, it was not a mental thing. It, it was Paul an action say? thing. You know, you're going to know these people. Yep. By their actions. That's right. That's right. All right. God is love, and you just can't explain God in four minutes. Yeah. Okay. It's a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. You guys did a pretty good job, oh, well. yeah. Steve, you did really good. He did. That's surprising, but yeah, we're proud, we're you proud, proud of Steve today. He did really good. He normally rambles. Once in a while, when, when, you know, he, he hits, you know, he hits one. Day, it, so. If I had feelings, they would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> if, that's a big if. That's what people say about me, too. If you had a heart, you could love people. No. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well, says our, our last uh, questioner. And that 2020 is looking like a great year for you. I'm having hearing Christian people on YouTube Talking about believing in UFOs, they're saying that it, it is possible that they are demonic beings from another dimension. Have you heard about this? It's kind of freaking me out. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Is there anything to all of these sightings? Okay, we've got uh, three minutes. Well, there's, there's 512 of them in Washington right now. <laughs> now, we, we talked about this one of the shows a few weeks ago, um, and it there, again, this is one of those things that you could talk a lot about. Uh, I personally believe that what we are seeing in, in the increase in manifestation is the spirit realm, that, that that's what's manifesting yeah. into the world when people are beginning to see those things. And that's what's breaking through, and that's what's manifesting. It is yeah. If you look at um, when people have visitations, so to speak, um, that how much that kind of stuff, we're so used to accepting that little green men mentality but also how much that resembles some of the demonic world. And that's, yeah. that's what I think the vast majority of it is. And because of the things that are going on in the world today, to me, it only makes sense that it manifests more. Yeah. Okay. And, and it has long been one of my um, personal opinions um, about the – I was actually looking through some old notes uh, a couple of weeks ago. And as a teenager, I wrote about the fact that I believed that the sightings of US, uh, UFOs and potentially even a – future revelation of little green men would be part of the end time deception. Um, Satan is all about deceiving us and convincing us there is no God. Um, and if he lands little green men on the 
White House front lawn. And by the way, when they step off, they have the cure for cancer and the cure for AIDS and the cure for everything else. And oh, by the way, we seeded life here. There is no God. Uh, millions of Christians would lose their faith overnight. Uh, I think it would be the capstone uh, on the deceptive program that, that Satan's been running. And we see more and more of this being fed to us. We see this idea being fed to us constantly. And we, we tend to become blunted. Um, to the, If you backed up a hundred years and told our great grandparents that um, there were little green men and they didn't want you to believe in God, they would reject that immediately. But our generation has been fed little green men and been fed science that says, well, maybe life was seeded from somewhere else. So much so uh, that it kind of sits in the back of your mind, whether you believe that or not, the the theory is sitting back there. So when something confirms that for you, it creates doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all part of the end time deception. I think Twilight Zone had a great segment about uh, aliens coming to Earth and and saying that they had all these great things that they wanted to do for us. And they had a book and it said how to serve how to serve man and it was a cookbook yeah <laughs> you remember that one no yeah no. that's a that's a really good moral yeah. story to oh, pay a little bit of attention to it all the people that were getting on the spacecraft to go to the other planet yeah they were going as preferably as feed. And with an apple yeah <laughs> so. that's exactly right all right so billy thanks for coming yes, and scott thank you thank tell you, sir. everybody what time uh you know, services are on Sunday on, at Agape, and on, where you're at? On Sunday at 10 o'clock, we are at 701 Napa Valley Drive in West Little Rock. Okay, and Steve, thank you for coming in. Yes, sir. Is this a little easier for you to make? It depends. It depends my, my on what, you're, what every, you're teaching, huh? Yeah, every other month it you're changes. Not, you're not flying right now? No. Okay, well, that's good. I appreciate you guys coming in. Bible Guys, every Tuesday like today at 7 a.m. right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. you got a question for them, Bible Guys at... Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll take a break. Come back. Liz Harrington from the RNC to join us. We'll talk about the president's State of the Union speech coming up. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.